0: A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam & Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I am glad you've joined us on the program. Uh, coming up here in a matter of moments, we're going to talk with Brian Strausser from the Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus about the uh, shooting death of Amir Locke in Minneapolis. This was uh, during a, a no-knock Uh, a a no-knock warrant that was being executed in a a homicide investigation. Uh, Amir Locke, a uh, legal gun owner, concealed carry holder, according to his family, uh, sleeping on a couch in his cousin's home when police came in. Uh, As he woke up, uh, he had a gun in hand. Officers fired shots and uh, uh, killed Amir Locke. The investigation is continuing, but this is uh, obviously raising a lot of questions, uh, not only about the use of uh, no-knock warrants in Minneapolis, but... Uh, the Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus itself has uh, gotten some criticism, we'll talk about from whom, uh, for speaking out uh, uh, and saying that Amir Locke should not have been killed. Again, we'll talk with the Brian Strausser of the Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus here in just a minute. But before we do, with the political pressures on the left and the woke mob that is the Democrat Party these days, our society has ultimately become controlled by the cancel culture elites since when of the founders of the Constitution— or the creators of the American flag, or people like Dr. Seuss, or many other things become anti-American. There's never been a better time in our nation's history to stand up against this woke mob and fight back, and you can do just that with this exclusive offer that I'm giving to my listeners and viewers for a limited time only. Now is your chance to win a signed picture from President Donald Trump himself. That's right. Not only will you be taking a stand against the radical left, but you will be entering to win a piece of history. And all you have to do is text the word TRUMP, to 55404 today. That's TRUMP 255404 and you can join the millions of Americans in standing up for President Trump and canceling the radical left once and for all, paid for by the National Republican Senatorial Committee. All right, so now let's get to our conversation with uh, Brian Strauser of the Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus. I, I this is a you know, obviously this is not the first time that we have seen a no-knock raid result in the death of uh, somebody who was, A, not the intended subject of that raid, and uh, B, somebody who was not committed a crime uh, when law-abiding legal gun owners respond, right? In the case of uh, Brianna Taylor, uh, her boyfriend said that he had no idea that uh, these were police coming into his apartment. He thought that they were burglars. He responded like you would respond to burglars breaking into your home, uh, fired a shot at the officers. They fired back. Uh, killing Brianna Taylor. In this case, you have uh, Amir Locke, uh, who was apparently asleep on a couch, woke up, had no idea what was going on, had a gun in his hand. Uh, according to the Minneapolis Police Department, may have pointed or at least started to point his gun at an officer, uh, but then was shot and killed. And again, the investigation continues. We We don't have all of the answers here. Um, but I think we have so many questions that we should be talking about, particularly the use of these no-knock warrants uh, and their danger not only to law abiding gun owners, frankly, but to law enforcement as well. Take a look and a listen. Brian, thanks so much for coming on the program. It's good talking with you today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kim. Absolutely. So obviously, there there's still a lot we don't know uh, about the uh, the shooting of Amir Locke. The investigation continues. Uh, emotions are clearly running high. You know, you've got activists that are accusing the police department of a cover up. Um, so let's just go back to when we first learned uh, about this shooting. You have somebody who, uh, at the time when we knew that he was, you know, not connected to this warrant, um, he his family said he was a legal gun owner. We now know that he had a concealed carry license. What made you and the Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus decide, all right, we want to speak up and we want to say something about this?
1: There were a couple of factors that drove our decision making process uh, on Friday around making this statement. The first is by all indication, the information that we had at the time and since then is that Amir Locke was a law abiding gun owner who was not the target of this search warrant. They were looking for physical evidence related to a homicide. It doesn't appear the police knew that Mr. Locke was in that apartment. Um, and it's a situation I think many of us resonated with in that you're awoken by someone entering a dwelling that you're in, screaming commands at you with bright lights. You're awoken from a from sleeping on the couch. And he did what many of us might do. And that's reach for a legal means of self-defense while he assessed the situation. I mean, you even see in the video from the police that his his trigger discipline was quite, was quite good. His fingers along the side of the firearm, not on the trigger, uh, right before he was shot. Um, so, you know, that, that was one factor. It, it looked like that kind of a situation. The second is, this is not the first time we've had a law-abiding gun owner shot and killed Here in Minnesota by law enforcement, we uh, had Philandro Castile, who was shot and killed in a traffic stop a few years ago in, um, you know, not necessarily dissimilar situation where he was the subject of a, a law enforcement interaction and was shot and killed within seconds of that interaction starting.
0: Did you expect or anticipate uh, the reaction that uh, that you received? and 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 what yeah. what is the reaction overall that you've received? Because obviously you have yeah. gotten some criticism from gun owners uh, that's been highlighted. Yeah. but but generally speaking, what's been the reaction from the Second Amendment community since your yeah. since your organization' statement on Friday? We did
1: not expect this to be quite the story that it is. um i I think we were a little astonished at the amount of other press coverage this has brought to the story in our organization, because from our standpoint, the, we're going to stand up for the Second Amendment and for law-abiding gun owners in these situations. We don't think that should be unusual or thought of differently, but it definitely has resonated with um, the Second Amendment community from the standpoint that we have made that very strong statement uh, in favor of the Second Amendment and and recognizing this you know, injustice that has happened here. We have gotten some blowback. The blowback has been really from folks who weren't involved in our organization. Our members have been overwhelmingly supportive. We haven't had a single member who has criticized our stance. Um, We have, of course, gotten some uh, unhappy voicemails and emails from folks, but as we look into those, they're not people who had ever contributed or volunteered with our organization.
0: Okay, well, that's 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 good to know uh, because look, I mean, uh, people are obviously entitled to their own opinion, uh, and I think with a situation like this, you know, folks are are uh, certainly going to come down. Uh, we're going to see different opinions emerge. Um, right. But you know, my attitude is, and look, I I I don't know enough about the specific uh, situation here to judge any of the officers involved, but I you know, I, I have really grave concerns about the use of no-knock. Uh, raids and no-knock warrants. Yes. Um. Precisely because we live in a country where we have a hundred million legal gun owners. Right. Mm-hmm. We we have the right to keep and bear arms. So mm-hmm. when a legal gun owner is shot and killed, um, in a place where they had a a right to be and they mm-hmm. they they weren't committed a crime, to me that's a sign that something went wrong. Right, and there should be yeah. an investigation. So, I confess, I don't really understand that knee jerk reaction of, uh, well, don't don't look into it, don't 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 say anything, don't criticize anything. I don't think anybody would say that this was the ideal outcome. I don't think the Minneapolis Police Department would say that. I don't think nope. Mirlock's family would say that. I don't think I don't know anybody who would say, yeah, this went down exactly the way it should have happened.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean we we heard similar criticism when we made a statement about Philandro Castile the. The uh, the chairman of the House Public Safety Committee at the time, who's no longer in office, um, criticized us for not waiting until all the information was out. But yet he later criticized others for not saying anything, for saying things prior to the trial being over, followed by criticizing people for saying things until the appeal was done. And I'm like, well, when is the right time to comment then? it's We live in a society where sometimes we don't like the complex, nuanced statement anymore. And I think you can be supportive. I come from a family with a long tradition of law enforcement. I worked in law enforcement. My, uh, um, our head of government affairs here at the caucus is a licensed peace officer here in Minnesota. We're supportive of law enforcement, but it doesn't mean we can't criticize something that has happened where mistakes perhaps were made in obtaining this warrant or choosing a no-knock approach as opposed to other types of warrant service that led to the death of this young man.
0: Yeah, I mean, from what I've read, and correct me if I'm wrong in any of this stuff, because I know that things are changing, but uh, the St. Paul police had originally requested uh, basically mm-hmm. a, a knock and enter warrant, right? So, right. so they, they specifically requested something that wasn't a no knock, and Minneapolis police said, no, we're not going to serve this warrant unless it is a no knock. Right, and um, went so, back so, and had the warrant changed. Yeah, so it's, I mean, that that's something I think that is worth looking into, but... Mm-hmm. You know, again, to speaking at the 30,000 foot level about no-knock raids, I mean, mm-hmm. Brian, it seems to me like this is something that not only can put legal gun owners at risk, mm-hmm. but again, it also puts law enforcement at risk, yes. uh, and I think unnecessarily. I mean, there was, a, uh, there was a case out of Florida a few years ago, I think it was, um, and there was a, again, it was a, a home, there was a no-knock raid, I believe it was based on a drug investigation. Um, there was a woman inside the home who was taken out. Uh, it was being talked to by police. Uh, her uncle doesn't know what's going on. Sees this group of guys taking his niece away, and mm-hmm. fires a shot. I believe wounded, perhaps killing the officer. He was charged. Ultimately, he was not convicted because the jury believed you know he he had a reasonable belief that he was acting to protect his niece right. uh, as opposed to shooting a law enforcement officer. But again, the the amount of confusion. That can come into play, um, I, I think, really just suggests that we need to be incredibly cautious about when these strategies are used. I'm not going to come out and say, well, no knock raid should ever be performed. I agree. But I have a really difficult time arguing that they should be used in a, a situation that that's believed to be about you know gathering evidence, as opposed mm-hmm. to we think that there is an active dangerous suspect there. Uh, mm-hmm. If this is about you know information gathering. Um, I don't know why you wouldn't knock and enter as opposed right. to just, you know, blow the door open and then uh, announce your presence afterwards.
1: Well, here's, a, here's an interesting uh, fact that's come to light after this uh, incident. You know Minneapolis and St. Paul, we talk about them as the twin cities. They're literally two cities that are completely joined to each other. There's just a boundary that separates the two. Their crime issues are not that different because these neighborhoods overlap and, and the cities are tightly connected. St. Paul police have not used a no-knock warrant since 2017. This, the Minneapolis police have served more no-knock warrants in January 2022 than regular warrants. And the, as the data has come out, they're doing hundreds to dozens of these every year. Their counterparts on the other side of the river are not doing any. So why, is, why the difference in the cultural approach between the two police departments? I don't know. But I think as this investigation continues, we're going to learn more about why did they take this approach as opposed to what their counterparts are doing, you know, just a few blocks away.
0: Is is this an issue you think that uh, Second Amendment activists and gun owners in general should be paying more attention to, Uh, even when, you know, we're not seeing headlines like this? Because, you know, you can make the argument that if we wait until we see these stories, if we wait until someone like Amir Locke uh, loses his life, It's too late. We need to be Mm -hmm. proactive in in, in, uh, having these discussions and talking about when or if uh, uh, no-knock warrants are ever appropriate or when they might be appropriate.
1: I mean, I think it's part of the broader conversation on police reform that we should all be a part of, not just as Second Amendment activists, but as engaged citizens. Um, We've approached policing in a similar strategy for over 100 years in this country. And it's probably time to think about, could we do some things differently? I think the Second Amendment community is part of that. There's more armed permit holders today than we've ever had in the past. And we don't always have the most positive law enforcement interactions, particularly in large metro cities. So so what causes that and what needs to change in terms of how we think about policing? I think no-knock warrants are definitely a part of that conversation.
0: You know, and it's interesting because you're right. And I think that there, within the 2A community, You know, sometimes I don't want to say we have blinders on, but we can get tunnel vision, right? We're going to focus Mm -hmm. on things like constitutional carry. Uh, We're going to push back against magazine bans, you know, and and even talking about issues like policing. Sometimes are we are we are we are we straying out of our lane? Mm -hmm. But I look at, for instance, Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont uh, Mm -hmm. on Monday laid out his you know legislative priorities for the year. And he said, we have too many damn guns in this state. He said, we have more illegal guns than we've ever had. We have more legal guns than we've ever had. And you can't be tough on crime if you're weak on guns. Interesting. So I would argue, you know, to, to, to your point, for those gun owners who would say, eh, you know, when we talk about police and we talk about this stuff, we're, we're getting out of our lane. No, I think we're actually responding to mm-hmm. gun control activists who, again, want to enforce these gun control laws. Mm-hmm. Through law enforcement, right? I mean, that, that yeah. I don't think there's any way to avoid the fact that policing is inherently connected mm-hmm. to gun control. That doesn't yeah, I mean make, that doesn't make I, us yeah. anti-police, not at But all. it does ensure that we want these, you know, law enforcement strategies to 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 not uh, implicate or, or restrict or target legal gun owners simply for exercising their constitutionally protected rights.
1: Well, we've had some conversation with our colleagues on the other side of the issue here in Minnesota over the last few weeks. Um, Well, over the last week since this incident's happened, and part of the point that we made to them was, how exactly do you think a red flag gun confiscation order is going to be enforced? It's going to be enforced by law enforcement executing a no-knock raid on African-American and Hispanic gun owners in the metropolitan Twin Cities. That's what that's going to look like, and that's going to increase the number of incidents like this. And don't pretend that it's going to happen any other way. That's where the law is going to get used. And that's how that's going to happen. And they, that conversation made them really uncomfortable because it it came at the other end of what they've been saying that, you know, police violence is gun violence. And I'm using their words there. But right. you're going to encourage more of that kind of, of law enforcement interaction that's not going to have a positive ending for for gun owners or for our African-American and Hispanic citizens.
0: Do you think that there is uh, you, know, you talk about having these conversations with folks on the other side of this issue? Do you think that there is a, a space now to have these conversations? Because, I mean, really, for the past year and a half now, I've I've noticed that, I mean, you've got plenty of folks on the left who say, uh, you know, look at the public defenders in New York, uh, siding with the, the plaintiffs in the Bruin case, you know, pointing mm-hmm. out the the disparity in prosecutions. Uh, for simply possessing a farm without a license. You do have people on the left who I think are recognizing Mm -hmm. the harm that's done by these, you know, possessory uh, 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 gun control laws. At the same time, they're not (laughs) pro-gun. They're not pro-Second Amendment. And so that's, you know, they can see, okay, well, I don't necessarily like this, but maybe we can go after the gun industry. We will go after manufacturers. At the end of the day, it seems to be like a, a lot of those folks on the left, and I don't want to paint with too broad a brush, but, but I've been disappointed that some of those folks on the left who seem to get the problems with, with the gun control laws that are on the books still want to figure out a way to go after gun ownership itself without using the police or maybe even putting people in prison. But they still haven't really embraced or accepted the, the fact that this is a right that we're talking about here. You have a right to keep a gun. You have a right to bear a gun. There's no way to get around the fact that we have a right to do these things.
1: Right. Yeah, I think um, part of the challenge in Minnesota is we have very tight legislative margins on both sides. We have a Republican-controlled Senate by a few seats, and the Democrats, which we call the DFL, control the House by just a few seats. And the rural Minnesota Democrats, who are far and few between nowadays, um, are generally pro-gun. And we've been successful in keeping them on that side of the issue. But I never expect the more progressive Democrat majority in the House to side our way. I just need to peel off enough of those votes that they can't bring gun control to the House floor, uh, even though our Senate would not hear it and would stop it anyway. I, did, I don't want them to get that far. So that's where we we really aim our, our um, conversation on the other side of the aisle politically at those greater Minnesota Democrats that we can try and keep in the tent uh, on second amendment issues. But I agree with you The the far left, the twin cities left, for example, they're never going to come out in support of the right to keep and bear arms. Not in any way.
0: Yeah. Which is strange to me because again, even if they have issues with, you know the the policing of these gun control laws. It just mm-hmm. seems like that's a bridge too far. But anyway, you know, we'll keep the conversation going. I guess. Um, where where do you see uh, uh, this particular conversation going around uh, no knock raids? Yeah. Uh, at least in the uh, Twin Cities area.
1: Well, so we're our legislative section is currently ongoing. We have a part time legislature, so they're in right now through May twenty third or so. So the. We've had a couple gubernatorial candidates, this is a gubernatorial election year for us, who have come out in favor of at least looking at no-knock warrants uh, and further restricting those, um, including two sitting senators that are running for governor. Um, And we have the House, uh, the Democrats are announcing a a bill today that will further restrict no-knock warrants. We had a restriction that was passed last year, actually, that further restricted no-knock warrants than this this i don't know what's going to be in this bill that they'll propose this afternoon but i assume it goes further than what they passed in 2020
0: all right brian listen i appreciate you joining us on the program it's good talking with you sir and uh, hopefully we can check in again uh, as the Absolutely. legislation uh, makes its way through the uh, state capital. there i'd love to stay in touch sounds good thanks for having me on cam great thank you sir brian straws are joining us from the minnesota gun owners caucus here on cam and company I appreciate Brian joining us on the program, and we are going to continue to follow this case uh, in Minneapolis. Right now, though, let's get to today's armed citizen story our good deed of the day and our recidivist report. We will start there with a, a story out of South Florida where a felon on probation has been arrested in the uh, murder of an eight year old girl uh, during a drive by shooting. And, uh, yep, this young man, already known to police officers, already known to the criminal justice system. Already on probation, Andrew Thomas, who will turn 21 in a few weeks, was arrested on unrelated charges, uh, but the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office got an arrest warrant for Thomas on charges of first-degree murder with a firearm, attempted first-degree murder with a firearm, as well as felon in possession of a firearm, uh, related to the shooting of uh, 8-year-old Ronzia Atkins last Friday. Uh, Her family says that she was playing in the front yard with other kids in the home when this drive-by shooting took place. Uh, Runzia was taken to the hospital in critical condition. She passed away the next morning. Sheriff's Office had put out a $25,000 reward, leading to information uh, on her death. According to the Florida Department of Corrections, Thomas is on probation until June of 2026 after being convicted of an armed robbery in 2019. Mm-hmm. So, a little more than two years ago, this 20 year old was convicted of armed robbery. Now, we don't know. How much time, if any, Thomas did for this violent offense, but uh, I would argue not enough. If he was already out on the streets, again, less than three years after this armed robbery and now stands accused of first-degree murder, seems to me like Andrew Thomas did not get enough time behind bars for his previous crime. Today's uh, armed citizen story from uh, Gwinnett County, Georgia, where police say there will be no charges filed in a a deadly shooting near a a golf course because the shooter was acting in self-defense. This happened over the weekend. It was Saturday night. It was near the uh, country club of Gwinnett in Gwinnett County, Georgia. Uh, It was just about 645 in the evening in uh, the little town of uh, Snellville. Uh, Police say that when they showed up, they found 22-year-old Avery Nolan uh, dead and uh, according to witnesses and the uh, victim in this case, Nolan had gotten to an altercation with another 22-year-old named Darius Bush, who uh, fired shots in self-defense. Police said that Bush lives in the neighborhood. He was sitting in his car uh, in a parking lot in a residential area, general parking lot for the subdivision, uh, when Nolan, who was armed, walked up. Uh, according to uh, Officer Hadeshi Valley, an altercation started, leading them to end up fighting on the ground. Uh, Nolan was the initial instigator of this uh, altercation. Bush, who also was armed, and legally so, ended up shooting Nolan uh, in self-defense. Officers uh, sent to the scene after two neighbors called 911. Police said the two men did not know each other. It's not clear why Nolan targeted Bush. Maybe robbery. We don't know. Uh, But they believe that uh, the incident began because Nolan attempted to assault Bush. They also said that Bush tried to actually drive away. Uh, at one point but he was unable to do so his vehicle ended up stalling out so he could not get away even though he tried to get away uh, before he uh, was forced to uh, use lethal force in self-defense and the investigation is continuing but at this point again police have no reason to believe this is anything other than self-defense we'll keep our eyes open uh, for any additional details we'll bring them to you as they become available and uh, finally today a little bit of a I'll say this is a little bit of a lighter story. You know, our, our our good deed of the day generally involves people who are in the right place at the right time and able to do the right thing to save human lives. Right. Yesterday it was the uh, a police officer in northeast Maryland who was serving as a school crossing guard who ended up pushing a, a child out of the way, getting hit by a car herself. We've had, you know, in recent weeks. Uh, police officers who've gone into burning buildings to rescue uh, folks who are trapped inside, uh, managed to extricate people from burning vehicles. This is not quite as heavy as as some of those stories. But Medway, Massachusetts, a police officer in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing to help a chicken cross the road. That's right. Don't know the name of the officer. Don't even know the name of the chicken. But uh, we do know that the uh, chicken had apparently gotten stuck on the other side of the road. Fun fact, chickens don't like snow. And in fact, the only reason why this is today's good deed of the day is because the last time we had a bunch of snow here in Virginia, my, uh, my chickens all got stuck in a little patch of bare ground about 20 feet from the coop. And so one night, I, too, ended up picking up all of my chickens and taking them home uh, where they could be safe and sound. So seeing a police officer in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing to help that particular uh, fluffy butt make it back to the coop, we appreciate you. We thank you for your very good deed. I'm sure the chicken would thank you as well, if it could speak. Hopefully it didn't poop on your jacket. That's about the best we can hope for when it comes to a thankfulness from chickens. That is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. I would encourage you to check out bearingarms.com throughout the day for even more second amendment news and information that you should know about. And, of course, if you like what you see, you can always become a VIP subscriber. Just go to bearingarms.com slash subscribe, use the promo code gun rights, and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. You can even upgrade to a VIP gold membership, and that way you'll get all of the benefits like the exclusive comments or content, rather commentary analysis, not only from bearingarms.com, but throughout the entire town hall media family of websites like PJ Media, Red State, Twitchy, Hot Air, uh, PJ Media. Did I mention town hall? I should have mentioned town hall. That's the big daddy of them all right again just go to barry slash subscribe and you can uh, become a vip member or a vip gold member as well we really do appreciate your support it means a lot to us uh you know there are very few independent pro segment voices out there uh but uh, we are glad that we are among them and uh, we're going to continue doing our mission each and every day with your support and your help so thank you very much we'll talk to you again tomorrow until then be well be safe and be free